with kingdom marriages and that we're kingdom parents and that we're kingdom teenagers and, 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 and young people and that whole concept of being kingdoms, you know, orientated towards the kingdom, not orientated to the world. And to do that, I think we're, we're sort of going back to the pages of the New Testament and rediscovering what it really means to live the kingdom of God. Because I think we've got a, a mix of the world and what we think is church and we've put it all in together and I think somehow we've, we need to extract some of the things that we've, have become normal because they're not kingdom. And I think God's really telling us to, to shift, shift things in our life to get things back in order. And we're looking at the sort of this theme of the other side of normal, that the kingdom of God is different to the world that we live in. All the rules are back to front and, and, and upside down and what God calls us to do is love instead of hate, to forgive instead of getting revenge, you know, to be rich is to give. And it's all inverted. It's all back to front. It's all upside down. And it's just trying to reorientate our way of life so that we are attuned to what God wants us to do. I'll ask you a question. If you had to use one word, to paint a picture to somebody of what the kingdom of God is like, what word would you use? Just one word. Freedom? What else? Peace? Love? What else did I hear? Hope? They're all very true, aren't they? But I think the one thing that characterises the kingdom of God is love. Because God is love. And if you think about everything, the hope, the peace, the redemption, the reconciliation, everything stems from love, doesn't it? It's out of that place of God's love for us that all those things are available to us. That God really does love and he loves us and therefore he's offered to us all the things that are in God's word. This is what John wrote. And when John the Apostle John was a bit, I don't know whether he was ADD or something, because when he writes, it's very disjointed. It doesn't flow. And he sort of hits a theme and then he jumps away and then he hits a theme again. But, but, but read this together. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God and the nature of his kingdom. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In the world we are to be like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. But we love because he loved us first. Whoever claims to love God yet hates 
a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Pretty powerful language, isn't it? Very powerful language. When we think about God's love for us, there are two main key themes I think we've really got to understand. They are mercy and grace. They are the expression of God's love to us. The mercy that God has extended to us, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. So God had every right to punish us. God had every right to treat us as our sins deserve, but because he's merciful and compassionate, he didn't. He extended mercy to us. Not that I was deserved of it, but he gave it to me. And so if you think about that mercy, it means that the wrath of God that was once set against you and I is gone. It's, it's, it's ripped up. It's torn up. All the, all the list of the things that God had that we had done to offend him were just torn up. The slate was wiped clean. We were forgiven. Washed by the blood of the lamb, cleansed and purified. The penalty, the judgment set against us was obliterated. And the burden, I don't know about you, but when I came to the Lord, I had this huge burden of guilt of the things that I knew that I hadn't, had done wrong in my life. And, and it was like God just took it off and said, you're free. You're set free. And the scripture said is for freedom that you've been set free. It's like looking into your judge's eyes in the courtroom of heaven and looking into your judge's eyes and he says, Brad, not guilty. Ray, you're not guilty. Like to understand that concept that we are no longer under the wrath of God, that we are loved by the Father is an incredible thing to understand. We didn't deserve it. We don't deserve it. But God still extends it to us. And then mercy is linked in with grace, the grace of God. As for you and me, we were dead in our transgressions and sins in which we used to live when we followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, Satan, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us in this room also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But... Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins. It is by grace that we have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not for yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So not only did God not treat us as our sins deserved, he then gave us all this favor and lavished goodness upon our lives. 
unmerited favour. We don't have to earn it. In fact, there's nothing that you can do to earn God's grace. It's just given freely and it's lavished on us. And wherever our sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Wherever there's failure in our life, God doesn't hold it against us. Wherever there's mistakes and sin, that's the beauty of the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's full of love expressed in mercy and in grace. I love that word grace. God's riches for us at Christ's expense. What a beautiful thing grace is. The mercy and the grace we have received logically transforms back into a love for God. If we truly understand what we've been forgiven of and the depth of that forgiveness, then it has to come back to a love relationship with God. It's the only logical processing of, boy, look how much God's forgiven me. Therefore, wow, I want to worship and serve my God. But it's not just a vertical. It's not just reflected back to God. It's then got to be expressed on the horizontal by loving one another. And that's where it gets tough. (laughs) That's where it gets difficult. And this kingdom that we're talking about is not a theory. And it's in meeting God in the one another's, loving one another, bearing one another in love, you know, making allowance for each other's differences, supporting people that are wired up totally different to you, but still loving them. That's where Christianity hits the road. That's where you can truly test whether you've understood mercy and grace. When you can love other people. Not just people that love you, but your enemies. That's when you truly know that mercy and grace has not just sat in here as a, as a cognitive belief system, but it's permeated your heart and is now flowing out in the expression of love going beyond the natural to the supernatural, going to the other side of normal and living that out in our lives. It's a tough thing. And last week we looked at, you know, God putting new wine in new wineskins so that we have a new way of thinking and a new heart. And that new head and that new heart is able to give that love. It's like, you know, when they get little boys about the age of seven and they, they circumcise their penis, they cut, you know, the skin away. And it was a, it was a sign of covenant. But for, for us, our hearts have been circumcised. God, God got into our heart and he cut away the stony selfishness that was there and he rooted it out by his grace and mercy and said, now love like I love. And we can test whether that's true or not because in our lifetime we're going to come up against people that rub us up the wrong way or, or disappoint us or, or, or wound us. And it's in that reaction that we will truly know whether we understand the kingdom of God. And when Jesus started to unpack the kingdom, there's a, there's a whole lot of teachings in Matthew in the B attitudes where he begins to teach people what the kingdom is really like. And it's all about having a new mind to understand the depth of my forgiveness, how much has been forgiven of me, how offensive my sin was to God, and yet God still forgave me the cost for him of purchasing my freedom. You were bought with the price, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so it's the highest price that could be paid for your life. 
this whole concept of grace versus works. There's nothing I can do that's going to make God love me anymore. I still don't think we get that. <laughs> but that's grace. That's what God's put in our mind. This whole idea that I'm justified, I'm righteous. Legally, God doesn't condemn me anymore. He loves me and he's got me on this journey of making me just like him, making me holy. It's beautiful. And a new heart, a heart of compassion, a heart of kindness, a heart of tolerance, a, a heart of patience. You know, the scriptures say to love being merciful. To be in a situation where you're up against the wall and your feelings are of hatred and bitterness and resentment and all that stuff starting to bubble away and then you go, no, but I want to be merciful. And so the switch happens. We're not in the flesh anymore. We're in the spirit of God and we're extending forgiveness and grace and mercy, the same that's been given to us. Now, if that doesn't happen, we're going to end up bitter. We're going to end up judgmental. We're going to end up holding grudges against people. We're going to damage people instead of embracing them and loving on them the way that Christ really wants us to. You know the story of the prodigal son very well, all of you. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And so he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him and said to him, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. That's the story of grace and mercy. I can't give you any passage of scripture that would explain that story of what God has done for you. You are the prodigal son and the prodigal daughter. I was, and we squandered what God had given us. And when we came back home to our father, he didn't say, well, you messed it up. Your foolish son, he said, here's my kingdom. Here's the best robe. Here's the feast. And he invited us in. If you don't get that story, when you read that story, if it doesn't do something deep in here, you don't understand the kingdom of God. You don't understand what God has done for you. 
We need to have hearts that are moved by stories like that because it's our story. What the father probably should have done was said, son, just leave. You've made a fool of me. You've squandered what I gave you, but he didn't. And isn't that Jesus? Isn't that the story of us when we came? We didn't find condemnation. We didn't find rejection. We found acceptance and grace and mercy. That was my story. And I'm sure it's your story too. But here's the sad thing. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother's come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes came home, you killed the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. The story of the prodigal son is the most magnificent illustration of the kingdom of love, of grace and mercy at its best. The father had every right to treat that son with contempt, to reject him. He'd squandered everything. He'd rebelled. He'd been disrespectful. But that wasn't the reaction. The young son, you know, he'd come to recognize what a fool he was. He was feeling the weight of his sin. He was starting to own his failures, and he came humbly to the father. And even though he didn't deserve it, he was treated like he'd never left, like he'd never made a mistake, like he didn't have to earn his way back into favor. And that's grace and mercy. That's love. It was instantaneous, forgiveness, and it was lavish. It was lavish. The story of the prodigal son is also an illustration of the kingdom of God at its very worst. Because the oldest son's reaction towards grace and mercy was one of bitterness and anger and judgment and criticism and hatred. The son, the oldest son, misunderstood the heart of his father's compassion. He didn't have, even have the maturity to forgive his brother. He couldn't offer him a second chance. He couldn't celebrate the redemption and the reconciliation of his brother. He was so bound up in resentment that he couldn't forgive. So the kingdom of God is most powerfully expressed in the act of forgiveness. That's the root of mercy and grace is forgiveness. And God's forgiven you and me. And we need to accept that forgiveness. We don't deserve it, but it's there for us. And we need to celebrate that we are forgiven. I think a lot of us need to forgive ourselves for the mistakes that we've made. Because God's not holding them against us anymore. It's been torn up. The debt's been cancelled. And we need to celebrate that we are free. But then we need to forgive other people 
And that's when it starts to get dif difficult. Because I need to forgive others. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Should I do it seven times? Would you pat me on the back if I do it seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven. And then he goes on and says, like Peter, the kingdom of God is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this news, the servant fell at his knees before the king and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him and cancelled the debt and let him go. That's grace and mercy. But when that servant went out, he found the ones that were his fellow servants who owed him money, one that owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him and said, pay back what you owe me. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt back. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in and said, You wicked servant, I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Listen to the last word. This is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So yes, I'm lavished in God's grace and mercy. I'm forgiven. My debt is cancelled. But because of that, I cannot then turn to my brothers and sisters and say, I'm going to hold something against you. What right do I have to do that? To stand there and say, I can't give you a second chance or I'm going to hold resentment in my heart. It just makes a mockery of the kingdom of God. It really does. Father, I want to thank you that we are forgiven. That your blood has been shed. That there is not one sin, not one fault, not one failure, not one blemish, not one stain that is held against us anymore because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I thank you, Lord. I, I just worship you because you forgave me. And I know how much I've been forgiven. I know how much my sin offended you. And I know how arrogant I was and how proud and how stubborn. And I know you reached into my heart and gave me a new one. Lord, I know I had to forgive myself. Had to stop blaming myself. You didn't hold it against me yet, I held it against myself. And you want us free. Lord, today... If there's someone in our life 
that we haven't forgiven. It will never be about how you feel because you'll never feel like forgiving them. It's not a feelings-based thing. It's a choice to set them free and to set yourself free. Lord, I want to be a kingdom man. I don't want to ever stand before you and you say, but Mark, you held this against someone. I don't want to be a kingdom marriage that that has a legacy of people that we don't get along with anymore because we couldn't be peacemakers and we retreated from difficult circumstances. I want to be a kingdom family that loves and accepts and embraces. I want to be part of a kingdom church where even if people come with gritted teeth, they're still willing to stand at the foot of the cross and forgive. Because that's what the King gave to us. An absolution of our sin. A new beginning. A new start. And Lord, I want to be a man of God who gives that to every man, woman and child that I ever meet. And I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would help us set the ones who have hurt us and wounded us free. Lord, we can make the choice here this morning, today, to begin that process. It won't be easy but it's the way of the kingdom. It's the heart of the Father. This morning we're going to stand and sing a song called Forgiven. And the first time we sing it through, I want it to be about you and the forgiveness that God has given to you. That's the way the words of the song roll out. I am forgiven. But the second time we sing it through, I want you to sing it I am forgiving. And if there's someone in your life today that you know the Holy Spirit is saying you need to set them free, you need to forgive them, I want you to come and there's some pieces of paper here and you don't have to write their names on. Just sticky tape it to the cross as a, a representation of your decision today to say, Lord, I'm, I'm setting them free. I'm not going to hold their sin in my heart anymore. I'm going to be the bigger man. And I'm going to be the bigger woman. And I'm going to have a heart of grace and a heart of mercy. And one thing I know is that your pride will say, no, don't do it. Stand your ground. You were wronged. It wasn't just, it wasn't fair. Well, it wasn't fair that the one who knew no sin became sin for me. It wasn't fair that the King of creation hung on a cross for my sin. That wasn't fair. 
It wasn't fair that they hurled insults at him. He was innocent. I wasn't innocent. And yet God forgave me. So as Paul said, when he was in chains in the, in the jail, he said, make my joy complete by living to the standard of the high calling that God has given to you to forgive and to bear one another in love and to keep the bond of unity, the peace of God, which is forgiveness. Father, today we're going to set people free. We're going to set the people free that we've held captive through our anger and our bitterness. We're going to set them free. We're going to release them. And we're going to release ourselves.